This is the Fixer Upper Marriage Podcast. Together, we learn how to make love and marriage stronger. This episode is part two of Managing Technology in Your Marriage. For part one, visit fixeruppermarriage.org slash technology. You can follow along with the notes as well as enjoy additional helpful content. If this podcast is a blessing to you, consider leaving us feedback on our website or a review wherever you listen. So here it is. How to manage technology in your marriage. Turning your fixer-upper into a smart home. Part 2. Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 12. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. I'm going to read that again. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Last week we began looking at five ways to manage technology in your marriage, and we're going to continue that this week. Our first point, as we looked at technology in general, we talked about smart homes and the popularity of smart homes today, all the products that you see, and the desirability. Everybody wants to have all these smart things in their homes now, right? And in fact, a home and garden TV has a sweepstakes every year to win, guess what, a smart home with all the latest and greatest technology. But there's a need today to make your marriage smart concerning technology. And technology, I talked about last week, is changing faster than we can adapt. I mean, it's just amazing how quickly things change and just everything just, it's just incredible what you can do now on your cell phone. You can do just about anything from your cell phone. You used to have to have Back in the day, you had to have a computer in your house, right? But now you do everything from your smartphone and technology. Now we're connected in ways that we're just instantaneously connected with people on social media, just connected worldwide instantaneously with someone across the world. And we've had trouble. It's hard to adapt. It's coming faster than we're able to adapt. What you can do is apply biblical principles to all this technology that's coming at us, and it will make your marriage a very healthy thing. You can have the technology in your marriage, but it can be something that's healthy for your marriage. So in review, the first point, the first way to manage technology in your marriage, I said, was to treat yourself as prone to sin. You can fall into any temptation that anybody else can fall in. You can be victimized by sin that's in this technology. It doesn't matter how spiritual you may feel or your position or your title or who you think you are, but you can fall prey to any sin. Number two was deal with your fear of missing out. We call this FOMO. It's a word that we use today, fear of missing out. And we have all these alerts today, right? We have to know what's going on everywhere all the time and we talked about how to deal with that and if you'd like to know more if you were not here last week you can visit fixeruppermarriage.org slash technology and the podcast episode is available to you as well as the notes from last week's class and that is available you can listen and learn more about those first two points if you would like you could also if you like if you have 
after you've heard today's lesson and you would like to add something, you said this is something that I do to help my marriage in technology, you can leave some feedback and I'll add that to the notes so as other people read, they can see maybe some other suggestions that I didn't think of, ways to manage technology. But number 3.3 is do not have serious conversations over electronic devices. Do not have serious conversations over electronic devices. God created us to communicate with each other more than just the words that we use. To put it another way, we use verbal and nonverbal cues when we communicate. For example, this is a funny thing that I do is I have this thing that I've always done with my eyebrows and my wife thinks it's just hilarious. When I'm confused, I can raise one eyebrow up like Dr. Spock or something. And then if I I do two eyebrows really quick, like Charlie Chaplin or something, that means, you know, I'm I'm excited about something or we we all do things like this. We have nonverbal cues that we use to communicate. There are several ways you can communicate without words. There's tone, right? How many of us have used this? Watch the tone of your voice. I remember my mom when I was little, Mr. Watch the tone of your voice. I'm not sure what that means. And I'm sure I gave her that same response when I was younger. But we all know when we hear it, right? He's got the tone of your voice. I have two, one teenage daughter and another is the preteen pushing the 13 mark. And they both sometimes give us the tone, right? And we know the tone. And that communicates a lot of what you're saying, not just the words that you use. And sometimes they're at work or something, I'll say to somebody, hey, you know, you've got way too much bass in your voice. You must be angry about something because you've got the bass in your voice. And you've ever heard that. But I don't know exactly how you do that, but sometimes when someone gets upset, they get the bass in their voice. Take that bass out of your voice. What do you mean by that? So we communicate in the tones that we use when we're talking and then the expressions that we use. It means a lot with the expressions on our face. You can tell what someone just to look at. Get that look off of your face. You could be saying something, but the look on your face, it tells me something else. That look on your face. You know, all teenagers go through this and my girls say they don't do it. I, I don't do that, but I saw I saw you do it. You rolled your eyes. They all do that. I don't know what the deal is with teenagers, but they all go through this phase where they want to roll their eyes. You, you may be agreeing with me. You may be nodding your head. You may say yes to everything I say, but when you walk away and you roll your eyes, it tells me so much about what is really going on in our communication. And then there's the posture. You know, when you're talking to somebody and they cross their arms, it tells you a lot about what's going on. Or maybe you tell your kids to do something and they slouch over and they walk extremely slow. It's like, okay, you are obeying me and you are agreeing with me. But at the same time, I can tell by your posture, you're communicating something else with me. And that's the same way in marriage. Even the gestures that we use. How many gestures do we have that we use that tell a lot of the way what we really mean when we're communicating and you can completely change the meaning of what you're saying by the gestures and the tone of your voice and the expression on your face i read this dr albert maraban author of the book silent messages conducted a study on nonverbal communication and he found this seven percent of any message is conveyed through words 38% through certain vocal elements and 55% through nonverbal elements. So here we go. This is where it comes from. People say 93% of our communication is nonverbal. 
That's right, you get 93% of what someone's saying through other things other than what they're actually saying, other than their words. And therefore, electronic communication, when you send it out to someone via a text message or tweet, but we send out this communication over electronic means and it only has 7% of its intended meaning. We only see a tiny bit of what you mean. You know, emojis are helpful, right? Emojis are something that someone came up with, the little smiley face. Remember, we first started using those in email, and it was like a colon and a, a parenthesis bracket. And then we said, okay, smiley, that means I'm happy. So now on your phone or even on the computer now, you can use, select all these emojis. And, you know, they, those are real helpful. But nowadays, it seems like you've got to come up with two or three smiley faces to kind of it seems like people are so sensitive about what you put in text messages or emails. You, you put a smiley face with, with blushing face. So I didn't know. I'm sorry. I didn't know it had a blushing face. I didn't know that that would be a problem. But when we communicate over electronic means, things become skewed. Things aren't maybe the way we intended them to be. And the recipient doesn't always get the intended meaning of what we're trying to say. For an example, at work, we use a lot of email to communicate with one another. And sometimes I'll use CC on the email if it's someone that I felt like maybe had had something to do with the conversation or maybe it'd be helpful if they knew something about what was going on or if something happened to me or somebody else that knows what I'm trying to do. And I had someone get offended at me because I did a CC on someone. I said, it meant nothing. It, meant, it didn't mean anything, but people can take the things that you do over electronic means. It doesn't communicate always the right way that we feel. But when you're communicating with your spouse, it's important that you don't depend on electronic communications. You can't resolve a conflict with your spouse over email. It's just not going to happen. Even worse, you can't resolve a conflict through text. You cannot communicate effectively to resolve a, a conflict through text. You know what? Wait till you can talk in person. Hey, I know you're upset with me about this. Let's talk about this when I get home or let's set a time at seven o'clock tonight. Let's sit down and let's talk about what's going on. But it's preferably maybe you could talk on the phone and get some meaning right by the tone of your voice. But it's better to talk to someone in person in that way. They can really see what you're trying to trying to say. When I said I love you, I didn't mean it smart aleck at all, but maybe it came across that way when I sent the text message and I forgot to put the right emoji on there, right? Maybe, maybe I just came across wrong. But you can't you can't resolve conflict in marriage talk face to face. And I haven't even ever seen the conflict. I've been involved with people before who are in conflict and got in the middle of things. I hate being in the middle of things. And this person's mad at this person because someone told them what this other person said. And the other person's mad at the other person because this person, they heard that this person said this about them. And all, why don't people just sit down and talk about things? And that's the way it is in marriage. Just sit down face to face and just look at each other. Hey, let's resolve this like adults, not like uh, not like immature people that sometimes we act like. And sometimes when we try to resolve things through electronic means, it doesn't work out at all. And I've even seen people try to resolve conflict in their marriage through social media. How terrible is that? I mean, they throw shade on their spouse. Maybe they quote some Bible verse or they say something 
oh my goodness, I, think I can stand alone. I can stand alone as I walk with the Lord and, you know, just throwing shade at their spouse. And that's not the way to resolve conflict. Guess what? That's not going to resolve anything. Sit down like reasonable adults face to face and talk. Don't try to solve your problems over electronic means. Number four, do not keep secrets from your spouse. Do not keep secrets from your spouse. Your spouse should have access to all of your online accounts and passwords. Your spouse should, guess what, be able to pick up your phone and unlock it and see whatever is on there. Your spouse should be able to access your email accounts or whatever that you have. And sometimes when I try to take, I try to always do this whenever possible. It's, sometimes it's just not realistic to do this. But when I have to communicate with someone at work and it's of the opposite sex, I try to do it over text message. And that way there is a record of what I said or if somebody could see this is what was said. And if my spouse picked it up, there's no question in her mind. Hey, this person at your work, I know that you talked to them, but look, I can see what you said. And sometimes I'll have I'll have to call someone at work and I'll try to tell my wife I had to call so and so because of this. So if she were to pick up my phone, there would never be any question in her mind of what's going on. Of any, but don't keep secrets from your spouse. Social media should be a shared thing as a married couple. There should be no secret, no secrets with each other. And some people have shared social media accounts. My wife has Instagram and we share that account together and it's under her name, but I have access and I can see what's on there. And I don't post on there very often because I feel like it's under her name. I mean, everybody would be really confused. Miss Amber, I didn't know you like classic cars, right? But, but I'm not interested in having my own account, but we have an account together. And I've noticed on Facebook, a lot of people, the car couples, they have a together account. And that's probably a good idea. That's probably a great way to keep things the right level or where there's communication with each other. And you can see what's going on. There's no there's accountability there. And things can be taken the wrong way, especially in the social media realm. Consider the impact of a social media post on your marriage before you post it on for the whole world to see. It's like sometimes people forget, hey, you know what? Everybody in the entire world, I mean, everybody can see what you put on social media. So consider the impact of what you're going to post, this picture, this text. Maybe you're mad at your spouse and you are going to put that Bible verse because this is the way you feel right now and you're feeling really spiritual and you're really, really angry at your spouse and you want to put this on there. Stop before you post anything. What are people going to think about what I'm about to put on social media? Could this be taken the wrong way? How about this? Could my spouse take this the wrong way? Hey, you... You got on so-and-so's website and, and commented how nice she looked. And, honey, this is, doesn't look too good. Or my wife maybe would get on the, this country singer's website and say, hey, that's a nice outfit you have on. I think I would take that the wrong way, wouldn't you? I wouldn't take that very well. But you, those are extreme cases. But think about what you're posting before you post it on there. Could the person I'm sharing this comment with take this the wrong way? What am I doing? Think about the consequences of what you're doing online before you do it. What will my spouse think? What will anyone in the world? Anybody can see what you put up there. But do not have like a secret life from your spouse. Some people have these online accounts and some people have a whole life online. I mean, they spend 
hours and hours and hours online. And I talked about that. If you want to go back and listen to that podcast and read the notes, you can go to fixerupermarriage.org slash technology and you can listen to more about that. But you can really get your, yourself wound up. But you know, if you apply biblical principles to technology, just like anything else, you'll learn to be temperate in all things, right? To, be, to, to apply limits to what you do. And I've made a suggestion last week of maybe social media 15 minutes twice a day or some way to limit what you do so you're not just, but people are on there all the time and people have an entire life now online and people have secret lives from their spouse and maybe they get wrapped up and they start looking at something they shouldn't and they don't want their spouse to find out about it so they have something secret online or maybe they develop a relationship with someone that may be questionable and maybe might be on the borderline of being inappropriate so you don't want your spouse to find out about that but that's not right your spouse should know everything, should have access to everything, should see everything. You shouldn't have a secret life. Or maybe you watch things on the computer and now the proliferation of cell phone technology, you can watch all sorts of YouTube videos and things and put your earbuds in and just listen to things that are inappropriate and maybe things that maybe are not all the way inappropriate, but pushing the limits. And you don't want your spouse to find out that you're doing those things. But those are, that will ruin, that will destroy your marriage. So you have to learn how to not keep secrets from your spouse. And then some people, they get on, especially on social media, and they follow somebody on social media, or they're friends with them on social media, and all of a sudden you start fantasizing about having another life with someone else. I mean, look how great this person's life. Look how great her life looks. And what if I'd have married her? Or what if, what if the wife says, hey, maybe I should have, if I'd have married him, what would that have been like? And all of a sudden it begins to mess up. Mentally begins to mess up your love relationship that you have with your spouse. Number five is make time for your spouse without electronic devices. Make time for your spouse without any electronic devices. Take time to cultivate your love and your passion. Your relationship with your spouse is the most important relationship in the world. God made marriage for a lifetime of love and passion. How about this? Turn off the phone, turn off the computer, and just pray together. How about share your life with one another? Take this challenge. Let's try this. Take this challenge. Turn off your phone, turn off all electronic devices for five minutes a day. And spend that time with your wife. Maybe you could pray together or maybe you can just sit and hold hands and talk. He said, five minutes is not a long time. Well, if you have social media and if you have things on your phone, you have all these alerts on your phone. Wait to see what happens when you turn your phone off for five minutes. You may experience the FOMO that we talked about last week. But take five minutes. Start with five minutes of your time and see how that affects, how that impacts your marriage to just spend five minutes today without any technology involved, just you and your spouse together. Why let technology ruin the love and passion that God intends for you to have? God wants you to be madly in love. Listen to this Song of Solomon, chapter 7 and verse 10. I am my beloved and his desire is toward me. So God wants something. God has amazing things planned for your marriage. Five ways to manage technology in your marriage. Number one, treat yourself as prone to sin. You could fall prey to any sin anybody else has fallen prey to. Number two, deal with your fear of missing out. Guess what? It's not going to hurt you to miss an alert on your phone. It's not going to hurt you to miss some update. 
something going on in somebody else's life. Number three, do not have serious conversations through electronics. Talk about a landmine. You can really get yourself in a mess in your marriage trying to settle something through electronic means. Do not keep secrets. Number four, do not keep secrets from your spouse. Don't hide things from each other online. Number five, make time for your spouse without any electronic devices. God wants to do something amazing in your marriage. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day again. Thank you for the privilege to be a Christian. Thank you for the love that we've heard about today that you gave to us by giving to us your son and by giving your life for our sins. And Lord, I pray that you would help us today as we consider the lesson about electronics in our marriage. May we learn how to manage those things according to Bible principles. And may we have healthy marriages as a result of following along with the principles of your word. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Amen.